Look, here's here's the thing. I I I I refuse to watch that full movie, but I've seen more than half of it. I've seen a majority of it. Really? And yeah, because Sarah put it on, and I was getting ready for work, and so Dash was watching it, and Sarah was watching it and slightly, and so it was just on, and I I saw most of it, and then I went to work and was like, this is awful. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. Do you do you know in that shower afterwards? I, I, in, in for real because there there's <laughs> so what? Let me just tell you what they do to Monstro. Monstro is a whale, right? Simple, just a whale, just a big old fish. In this version, he has tentacles that are like flapping around, <laughs> and he's a whale, and so he's just some weird like the old Monstro is too boring creature. <laughs> real whales are stupid. <laughs> okay. Well, this is, I guess that's why they were like, he needs tentacles. That way he can be super smart. Nah. And, and, and Pinocchio has a superpower, which is as they're getting, like, as Monstro is chasing them, uh-huh. Pinocchio does the dash from the Incredibles I was, thing, I was just where his feet that. kick like really fast and it's like a speedboat. Uh huh. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That doesn't even physically, why can he move his legs faster than a person? Why can he move? Yeah, uh, yes. At su- you have to move them at super speed in order yeah. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Is it because he has no nerve endings? So he just like I can't feel this. And no actual musculature. It's <laughs> just wouldn't the friction break down the wood of his legs? Break. Did I hear correctly too that that uh, Lorraine Bracco is in that movie and she plays a, a seagull, uh, like a bird or something? Yeah. <laughs> What? Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's a new character. <laughs> I guess they just anyone, really I, I can't believe like, anyone ever looked at Pinocchio and goes, you know what? We need a new character in this. You know and what it's we gonna need? be a bird Dr. played by Melfi. Dr. Melfi. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, we got to differentiate it somehow. It's crazy because yeah. like it's always it, – it, 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 that sort of stuff always comes from like a producer or a director or someone being like, we're, we're, we're all huge fans of Sopranos over here in the Pinocchio camp. So we thought it'd be fun to, to find a part for Lorraine Bracco. And imagine getting that phone call. Like we're such a huge fan of Sopranos. Will you be in the Pinocchio remake? And she's like, uh, what? How are these uh, but fine. It's money. I'm an easy Emmy, money. I'm an Emmy nominated actress. I guarantee you. She did one voiceover session. It was one days of one day of work. Easiest paycheck. That was like one of those Mission Impossible things where they're like, read off these weird, like, random uh, words, and then they stitched it together under yeah. a performance, you know? Yes, yeah. that's exactly what it was. Um, can I spoil the ending for you? Please. I, I'd like and to think I know what it is, but just, I guess not. I just, and just to everyone listening, you know what? I was going to warn them. No, go ahead. Spoil it. <laughs> the ending of, of the live action Pinocchio is this. They wash up on shore. Um, Geppetto picks up Pinocchio and they start to walk off towards a cave. There's like a cave on the beach mm. and there's a bright light coming from the end of the cave. That's like illuminating them. Is Nick Fury it's, in the cave? Like, yeah. He's like silhouetting <laughs> them as they walk into the cave or whatever. And Jiminy Cricket has a voiceover that says, well, what happened next is all a legend. Maybe Pinocchio turned into a real boy. Maybe he didn't. What? No. Literally is how it ends. And so there's like a brief moment where this wooden 
you know, Pinocchio is holding Geppetto's hand and you think maybe he's sort of turning into a uh, like flesh instead of wooden body. <laughs> but it's but it's really, really subtle and you can hardly tell. And so as opposed to the actual Pinocchio, where he turns into a real boy at the end. In this one, you know, the whole point, the whole point of the thing in, in this one, it's literally we don't know. It's the stuff of legends. And then they walk off into Choose your the, own adventure. OK. Yeah. Yes. So so the resolution of the story, the actual like thing they've been working towards this whole time. I want to be a real boy. We don't know if he achieves it or not. God. Doesn't matter. It that's doesn't what the matter. movie says. It doesn't matter. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It doesn't yeah. matter. None of this matters. I have four children. And today, today is the 15th of November that we're recording on. Uh, and Black Panther came out over this past weekend. Uh, so a big thing that happened in the news today, the two things happened in the news. The other, the one thing is the eight, the eight billionth person was born today. Did y'all oh, know that? I did not know that. Today, the human population has reached eight billion people. And I was listening to someone cool. on the radio talk about it. And he was like, we all need to get along with each other, you know? I was thinking like, you know what? A lot of people say, you know, we need Jesus. With all these people on the earth, we need Jesus. But you know what I say? I say we need Wakanda. So we're talking about Black Panther Wakanda Forever tonight. Um, so which is the boy, what what film is this in the series? This is the this is the 30th. I think it's the 30th. Yep, the 30th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 30 wow. movies, you guys. Wow. Um, so this is the sequel to the first Black Panther film. So it's been five years since the release of the first Black Panther film. Mm-hmm. Lots happened. Lots happened in the MCU and a lot has happened in life, in our life and the lives of these people working on the film. We lost Chadwick yeah. Boseman. Um, uh, and that was almost two years ago, over two years mm-hmm. ago. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, so obviously that had a big impact on the movie. And and again, I'm assuming everyone listening to our show has seen the film at this point. Um, obviously, Chadwick Boseman is not in the film. Uh, I think a lot of us thought they might put him in there to some degree, maybe some voice. I think early before they said it wouldn't happen, there was a lot of talk like, are they going to digital double? Are they going to recast him? T'Challa has not been recast. He's not appears a digital double. He does. He appears. If you watch the trailer, he appears in one painted picture on the side of a building. He's not in the movie otherwise. And like a photograph or something. His character is not in the film. Um, so this movie has a lot up against it already. That makes it an incredibly hard project, no doubt to execute when you lose your star, uh, you know, during, I guess pre-production. I mean, then you got to change the whole story and that's rough. Um, so anyway, before I ask y'all what you thought of the film, um, I just kind of wanted to frame that a little bit because it's on everyone's minds. Um, you know, everyone knows this is, there's gotta be some interest in the movie, even from non Marvel fans, just like, Oh, I wonder how this was handled. You know, and I know everyone's curious about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we all saw the film. I saw it opening night. I saw it Friday night um, at the Nexus, as I am want to do. Still enjoying that. Um, John, I'm gonna start with you because you are our esteemed guest, sir. Uh, yeah, how would how, you would you think of the movie? Um, I liked it overall. It, it was funny because I watched the first one um, in preparation for this a few days ago, and. Um, uh, uh, that movie is one of my favorite MCU movies, the first one. So it definitely had a tough act to follow. And like you said, there were a lot of, um, obviously a, a huge part of the, what made the first film special is missing. So, um, but overall I liked it. Uh, there were elements that, uh, really worked for me. Um, I liked it a lot. I felt it dragged a little bit in the second act. Um, but overall, I would definitely recommend it, and, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I was disappointed by the film overall. Um, I felt like the first film is much stronger, um, and I was hard. I'm, I'm hard pressed to find anything that truly worked for me. Um, I don't think it's one of Marvel's weakest. I definitely wouldn't put it anywhere near that end of the spectrum. Um, but it's it, it's one of the most disappointing ones I've seen, um, simply because I love Ryan Coogler. I love this cast. Um, and, and you know, I, I guess maybe I had higher hopes for this. Um, and especially because, you know, the cinematography is genuinely great. Um, and, and, and I think... Um, while it's hard for me to find something that I genuinely think worked, there are a couple things, um, and, and they are, uh, uh, they do work, you know, cinematography is great. The, the, the costume design is great as always. Um, and, and, and I think that there's, uh, some really strong performances here, especially from Angela Bassett and, um, and, there, there's some really great stuff here, but ultimately, I think the majority of the stuff is a letdown for me. Um, so that sucks. Um, I, I guess if I were to give it a star rating, I would give it three stars. I think it's fine. Um, nothing beyond that. I would give it four. I forgot the, the rating. Okay, four. Cool. Yeah, I'm closer to you, Dustin. I was disappointed. Um and, and, and my disappointment disappointed me. 
Um, <laughs> because I, you know, I, I, I want to like all these things. And of course this had so much going against it already, but like, yeah, for me, like it, it, it's very long. I really felt the length and, you know, I did the same thing I always do when I go to these movies. I, I same thing I'm doing now. I, I order a Jameson at the theater. I sit down. It's been Friday. It's the same conditions under which I saw the Batman and Dr. Strange and, you know, X amount of movies over the past year. And, uh, I just felt the length this time. Um, yeah. the film is, it's the same kind of, uh, bar I'm setting, you know, the first film is like really, really great. Narratively, it's great. The actors are all great. The narrative is great. Um, it has momentum and just everything, everything's clicking and working really, really well. And so for this one, like, <clears throat> you know, uh, the movies, the movie, obviously it, they deal with the death of the character T'Challa, King T'Challa. So there's a lot of breathing room. There's a lot, everything that's good about the movie carries with it. Something that, that, that didn't work for me. Like the performances are all very great. Like, like that, I can't really single out a bad, I can actually, I did not like Dominique Thorne in the movie. Um, but, uh, Angela Bassett's obviously tremendous in the movie. Um, Denai Guerrera, um, Florence, because I mean, all pretty much all most of the the actors in this movie, other than a select few who are mostly there to set up other things, um, it, they're great. Um, and there's a lot of breathing room in scenes for for uh, for characters to emote and for um, for atmosphere to kind of build. Um, but with that breathing room, there's just loss of momentum for me and a little too much quiet. And I hate to complain about something like that because it makes me sound like a blow something up, you know, but like, but for me, it's like, no, this is a two hour and 40 minute movie. And it just could have done with a little something to just keep the, keep the momentum. Like we can't just aimlessly grieve for Chadwick Boseman for, for, for almost three hours. Like we, there is story happening um, and the characters are going through stuff, but like, you gotta have, there's needs to be more balance, at least for me. Yeah. Um, I'm going to allow for the fact that I had some alcohol and I was tired, but <laughs> the Batman is a longer film and it kept my attention for every frame. So yeah. it's not really an excuse that this film can't or shouldn't do the same thing for me. Yeah. Having said that, rewatch value, I've said, is a large part of what I like about movies. And I think that the movie probably still has a lot of rewatch value because I'm sure there's this is one of those movies where I, I walk out of it going like maybe I missed some stuff um, that might cause me to appreciate it better, like uh, in retrospect. But just as a as a theater experience, like I'm glad I saw it in a theater, but like I'm still I was still like disappointed by uh, um everything I felt like it failed to do for me. I just didn't feel very excited during the movie, you know, and even a movie that deals with grief and tough themes and tough conditions for characters, like should feel relatively exciting. And I never really felt excited during the movie. So it just sort of lacked that fun feeling for me. Um, Yeah. That's, that's a big part of what, of my disappointment is, is I didn't feel like it was as fun as the first one. mm -hmm. Um, There was never like an emotional high I felt like. Yeah. 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 And, and, and granted, like 
because of that, I feel like there's also no emotional low. And so I coasted on neutral throughout the film. Um, the closest I came to ever actually being emotional was the opening scene. And that was, that still was very flat. Um, you know, so watching essentially a funeral of, of Chadwick Boseman, um, should have been really, really emotional. And I felt like it, it didn't quite capture, that like it should, but that's the closest I came to feeling an actual emotion during this. Um, and, and even that was lackluster. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think part of the, of the fun of the first one was the, I guess, I guess this is a coined term now, the Afrofuturism, you know, this, like, let's marvel at the tech, let's marvel at the culture, let's marvel at like all of these things that, that make Wakanda special. Yeah. And I felt like because this was so globe hopping and because it was so, uh, like whatever, it, it didn't have that same level of like, of of wonder that the first one did and so not only do i not have the fun but i don't have the wonder and i don't just not have those things but i also don't even have like a true despairing moment so again it just kind of creates this feeling where you're just coasting on neutral at least for me i mean john i I mean it feels like maybe you you experienced a little bit more of that you know up and down than than maybe i did well, I, I mean, I, no, I agree with what y'all said. I, I think that the length definitely works against the movie. Um, you could you could easily trim out 20 minutes of this movie, um, and I think it would make huge jumps in, in terms of improving its pacing and, and all of that. Um, and I do agree about the, the, um, the more global aspect of this movie, leaving Wakanda, and then you have... Uh, everything uh, in Namor's realm, and then you, you know you're going from MIT to all these different places, um, and it did kind of it, it made the film feel disjointed for me. It, it, when you watch the first one, everything is building to to these two characters meeting and then having an eventual confrontation, yeah. and it, it was with this it just kind of felt like different vignettes and set pieces that were kind of related and yeah. it just kept flowing. Um, so I, I absolutely agree on those points. Um, and, and I think that a big improvement for me, like what could have been done to improve it was the part of the weird pacing for me was you're introduced to Namor, you know, probably at the end of the first act of the movie. And then you, during the second act, you kind of see him and his backstory and it's long, it's lengthy. Yeah. And I felt it would have yeah. been better if Namor had been a character we'd already met and gotten all of that out of the way. If maybe if he yeah. had a solo film before this or something like that. Um, and it would have set up that, uh, that dynamic better mm-hmm. because it kind of, the movie kind of doesn't grind to a halt, but it, it feels like a different movie when all that stuff yeah. is going on. Um, yeah. It's right in the middle of the movie. Exposition um, dump. It, it takes a yeah, lot of time yeah, to yeah. exposit. For, yeah, and it's a character that we've we've never seen um, prior to this film, so um, that was a little strange. Well, John, I was going to ask you about this too because I think of the three of us, you're the the resident Marvel comics expert. Um, I I have not, I've never read a comic with Namor in it. Um, I I was always under the impression that Namor was 
I have like my a, Marvel Masterworks Submariner right here. There you go. Uh, <laughs> I love Namor. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, by the way, can I, I was can, a weirdo. They mocked me for the longest time, and now I'm vindicated. <laughs> now I got what, what everybody wants. Um, yeah. So I was always under the impression, I guess, that he was just like a straight good guy. But is he is he like an anti-hero or a villain or like how does this how does this version stack up against the comics version? Yeah, I, I think he's widely regarded as like comics first anti-hero because he was one of the first Marvel comics, even before it's called Marvel Comics. He would, like with the uh, original Human Torch and yeah, um, the original iteration of Captain America, he was like among the first characters. Um, mm. And yeah, he's he's uh, you know a kind of a brat. Um, he's quick tempered. Um, he's violent, uh, egotistical, all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, he's not a straight hero. He's not a villain. Uh, usually or anything, but he, but he can yeah. like be, be a foil to the heroes um, mm. just if they interact with him and, and his kingdom in like a negative way. So, gotcha. um, and he was one of the aspects of the film that I liked. Mm. Um, I like the parallels between him and T'Challa and Shuri. Yeah. And um, I think it could have maybe been handled a little bit better, but um, I liked that they were setting that up and setting that up that Wakanda and uh, Talokan were um, in similar situations. And, and um, you know, so I like that aspect and I, I like Namor. I like the, the uh, Mayan spin that they put on the character because that was, that was a new element. So um, I thought that was interesting. And I like the actor. Uh, I think this was like the first, big thing he's been in. It said introducing yeah, in the credits. So, so um, yeah. I like that. The, the, the tough part of it for me was um, it was, it was, I didn't understand what the film was trying to say towards the end when it was like Namor and Wakanda were at war. And it was like, you would see all these, like all these like soldiers dying. And it was like, Namor is not a straight villain. And Shuri is like trying to get revenge on him, but she's not a villain either. And it's like, all these people are dying and I don't really know who I'm supposed to be really rooting for in this moment. Obviously you're supposed to be rooting for Shuri, but it felt, especially being a fan of Namor, it felt strange. Um, and, um, so that was one of the things that like threw me off. Um, I I was so, I, I, this is a misconception on my part, I guess. Cause again, I didn't really know that he's an anti-hero. Like I just thought he was just like, he's a good guy. He's an Avenger, whatever. I had no idea. Um, but my, I I think what was weird was for me, I kept waiting for that moment and we never quite got it where like, there's this beating heart underneath Namor that like really, really endears us to him. And you, you get the sense that he cares for his people and that sort of thing. But that yeah. but it never was endearing in 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 the way that I was looking for. And so you're right. Like at the end, I'm not really sure who I'm supposed to be rooting for because in my mind I'm like, well Namor's a good guy, right? Like you have to at some point do something to make me feel like he's going to be he has to cross a good that guy moral horizon forward. at some yeah. Right. So, so I kept waiting on that. And so then I'm like on the edge of my seat, like, okay, I'm, so I'm rooting for him to turn good and I'm rooting for Shuri to uh, subdue him. But like it, it, yeah, it's, it's weird because you're right. There, there is no, there, while he functions story-wise as an antagonist in that he's against our protagonist, he, he's not really like, I never really felt like, 
he was good or bad and I never was rooting for anybody throughout the film. It felt like, and so it put me in a weird limbo. Um, but, but yeah, it, maybe, maybe had I known going in, like if I had just done the homework and known that Namor was like an anti-hero, I would have gone in and not been expecting that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe that, maybe it's a failure on my part, but like, yeah, I just, I, I've never really known anything about Namor. I've just always assumed, you know, Atlantis, Aquaman, same thing, right? Yeah, like, right, right. And, and and they clearly, you know, steered away from the Aquaman comparison in this, yep. and yeah. they didn't use Atlantis, which I think in the comics it's Atlantis, right? Yes, it's not Telecon. Right. Yeah. So and and I think in the comics too, he's a, a child of two worlds, right? Like a, an Atlantean right. yep. mother and a human father, or maybe it's vice versa, but. Um, but yeah, it's it's the same thing as Arthur Curry. So yeah. they very much like veered in another direction, and I and I really liked it. I thought it really worked for this as a parallel to Wakanda. Um, so I, I I'm with you at least in some of the like changes that they made. It really it does work. I well I always knew too that he was like never going to be the full antagonist because he had to survive the movie. Yeah, because right, he, right. at some point he has to interact with the Fantastic Four because that's kind of like one of his big things. Thing. It's like yeah. he's in love with Sue Storm and he runs afoul of the Fantastic Four. Um, mm. So at the end, I was like, okay, uh, you know, it makes sense that he would survive. Um, yeah, it was also strange to me that towards the end of the movie, Shuri's whole thing is is revenge on Namor, and. Like I, I think any of us that that know the Marvel Cinematic Universe could see this this coming that she was eventually going to have the same realization that T'Challa did when he didn't kill Zemo, and that you know vengeance is consuming us and all that you know. So it was like repetitive to me that they were building towards that same realization, right? Yeah, and it just yeah. felt like hitting that beat that we've already seen before. Yeah. Um, well, and this this is a good place to talk about Shuri's arc. Which for me fell really flat. Yes. Um, do, do you, so I'm, I'm curious, Hooper, on uh, your your reading on this too, because at least for me, I feel like it's an arc that works on paper, but never worked in practice. It's weird because I feel when you ask me like how you know what what parts of the film work, most of them work, but the big things don't for me, and so it just yeah. results in the movie overall suffering. Yeah. Um, but yeah. yeah, the 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 the, the um the writing for me is one of them for sure. Yeah, I feel like if you track Shuri's arc, if I'm not mistaken, the first inkling of like what's going on in Shuri's heart and mind is uh she has a moment with her mother and says something like with all of, you know, my abilities and 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 tech and whatnot, I couldn't save him yeah. like I was supposed to, and I couldn't. So that leads me to believe it's guilt, right? Right. And I, and I believe this is the first thing that happens. But then they go out on this like you know uh, uh, little campfire visit thing, right? And and then it's I'm going to burn the whole world down. So now yeah. it's anger, right? So maybe maybe what's happening is like you know you're going through the stages of grief, sure, right? And it's you know denial, anger, bargaining, bargaining, whatever they all are. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But regardless, um, those, those two things are kind of at odds because we never really circle back to the guilt thing and we focus instead on the anger thing. Yeah. And so, but what's weird is it disappears. So she's angry. Then Namor has his proposition and, you know, here's what we got to do. 
I'm not entirely clear on why he tasks them to find the scientist and then attacks them when they find the scientist. Yeah. Um, and then decides at the end of the film that he doesn't need her to die. Yeah. I, I'm not entirely convinced. Like he gives them a conch and is like, blow on the conch and I'll come when you, when you get the scientist, blow the conch, I'll be right here and I'll, you know, get the scientist from you. Great. That's fine. Except the actual truth is go find the scientist and I'm going to attack you on a bridge. And that's not, it anyway, whatever. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> and the not, is- not to mention the fact that like killing Riri does nothing. Like plenty of entities know about the vibranium. Like well, yes, and and the question remains: like, how did he know it was one singular scientist who created this thing? Yeah, couldn't couldn't they have just given him any person, and he would have just been like, all right, thanks, cool. <laughs> You're dead now. They just like, kidnap a drifter. <laughs> he didn't bother checking. Like, all right, did you really make this thing? Yeah. All right, cool. I'm going to kill you now. It yeah. was just like, they could have brought him anybody. Um, <laughs> you know, whatever. Uh, but It was but, also bizarre how they kept calling her character the scientist. And it was almost like, we can't say her name because it's going to be a big reveal when we eventually say the character's name. And it just felt awkward because it's like, I think everyone in the theater, it's like, if you're aware of the comics and what's coming up, it's like, we, yeah, we know who it is. Like, you know, you could have just said her name right away. And it just From felt awkward, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I think the, the weird thing about that even would have been Namor or somebody, I guess would have known her name, but not yeah. gone to get her. So it's weird and it would have, you know, the whole yeah. thing, they, they wouldn't have had a reason to bring Everett Ross into it and, you know, it would have just been a whole thing. So, yeah. but, but yeah, I mean, but yes, <laughs> pull one of the threads and a lot of the house of cards is going to fall. But, yeah. but what happens is Namor kidnaps Shuri, takes him to Telecon, takes her to Telecon. And now all of a sudden, like nothing super meaningful happens with with Namor there. I mean, she gets she's privy to like his backstory and whatever, but yeah. there's nothing like super uh, meaningful to her that then makes her not angry with the world. But she definitely doesn't seem angry with the world because when uh, Nakia comes in to rescue them, she kills one of the Atlanta, the, the Teleconians and uh, the fishman and the fisherman and Shuri's like, we have to save her. Like, let's save her yeah. life. So I'm like, Oh, so you don't want to burn the world down anymore. So you want to save people. Okay. Well, that's fine, but confusing for your arc. And then in the end it was, you know, I'm going to meet with Killmonger on the astral plane and reveal that I want to burn everything down. And then I'm going to legitimately do it. And in the span of like 60 seconds, she fires a, a, you know, a giant f- flame, ball at namor to kill him holds a spear to his neck and then is like ah never mind because she thinks about some things it's just it's very strange like the the journey that she takes from guilty to angry to not angry to angry to not angry again really quickly right um and and so I think that through line for me is just kind of a little bit muddy. Whereas if the whole thing was building towards her like escalating right. anger, which then gets released in that flame, and then like she comes to her senses when she realizes like like I don't know, it, oh I I burned him and he's actually really hurt, and that brings her to her senses. Maybe she thinks about T'Challa in that moment as he lays dying or whatever it is. Like oh. 
you look like my, you remind me of my brother or whatever it might be, but yeah, something's yeah. got to happen meaningfully that, that triggers her mind to change from revenge to, to compassion. And I don't feel like that was a, I don't think there was anything super relevant there that she thought of that, that did that for her. And what they tried to do, I could tell in the editing was save it a little bit by saying, okay, uh, she's thinking of Wakandans and she's thinking of the tele, tele, whatever she's thinking of them too. And, and like, they're similar. Oh, we're the same. We're the same people. Right. Yeah. Because like, I'm going to look at the, it shows like a shot of people buying food at the market in Wakanda and then the same thing in Telecon and then, and then children in Wakanda and then children in Telecon. And so it's like, okay, yeah, I'm thinking of our people as one, but that's not quite meaningful enough. Like there has to be some sort of meaningful moment for her that she latches onto and thinks differently about, or has some realization about. And so anyway, to me, that's where that's where the main story suffers is in the unclear nature of Shuri's arc and and where right. her head is at any given moment. Well, that was what was a little confusing to me too. Is so there's the scene where on the bridge and yep. Shuri volunteers to go with Namor, and yep. it seems like she's there kind of as a prisoner, but there's no hostile intentions. Um, yep. And then they take her to the city and she's like amazed by what she sees and her and Namor have this heart to heart and they kind of realize they have a lot in common. Um, they're both kind of leaders of this country, uh, the, these, um, you know, nations that are very advanced, but are kind of mm -hmm. hidden from the rest of the world. And then almost immediately the film just turns into Namor, uh, kills the queen and he's just a bad guy. And yeah. so that was like yep. odd because it was mixed messaging. It was like, yeah, it was suddenly like you, you're supposed to hate him now, but yeah. I liked when they were setting up that these were just two people in a, a difficult situation where they were both trying to think of their, their own kingdoms. And right. Unfortunately, their views opposed, but it became this thing where, you know, uh, I don't know. It was for, for forced convenience of, you know, being an antagonist, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I feel like what would have like solidified that a little more is if we had seen them grow to become friends, you know, like yeah. some sort of like moment, like a meaningful moment that they have together that like solidifies like we're we're going to be in this together so that then when he's not, it's a huge yeah. betrayal for her. Right. Uh, and, and I almost got like romantic vibes from them. Like maybe yeah. there's some sort of budding romance between the two of them and yeah. then and then that didn't that ultimately went nowhere which right. is fine um you know it didn't it, it, that would have been kind of obvious regardless but but my thought is like if that had happened if there had been some sort of like a kiss shared or something that like oh like you know a meaningful touching moment that then when he becomes the antagonist it's like a personal betrayal then that would have given me something else to feel. Yeah. Right. As opposed to just like, Oh, we were just cool. Now we're not. Right. Whatever. I think that was what that, the bracelet was meant to symbolize, yes. you yes. know, but yes. yeah, I, I get what you're saying. But then, and, but yeah. And I agree, but I think that the bracelet then took on it's a different meaning. A when, plot, plot device. Exactly. Yeah. It yeah. was, yep. it was now we can yeah. use this to find, you know, yep. to, to recreate the earth. It will be his downfall because he gave this to me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it, so it changed it from being something like emotional, meaningful, personal yep. to something that was like, I'm going to give this to you as a peace treaty. And now this is not, this doesn't feel personal anymore. It feels like a, 
you know, like a, an olive branch that will come back and bite me in the butt. But yeah. Um, it, it was also bizarre. So there's the scene where he, Namor and his people invade Wakanda and they kill yeah. the queen. And I thought for yep. sure, this is the, the big third act battle. And yeah, so then right. when it, when it ended and I realized I was like, Oh God, there's, there's like, there's like an hour, and half like another half hour movie left. <laughs> that felt really weird. Like the pacing was bizarre because yeah. that felt like the end of the movie. And yeah, then, it did. you know, the stuff that happens between that and the actual final battle was kind of like, I, that's that was like when it started tra- dragging for me a little bit, and, you know. Yeah, because after that, it's a lot of like talking about what we're going to do and like mm-hmm. trying to figure out trying to figure out what we're going to do. Which you yeah. have to have a regroup moment, right? Like it, essentially, that acts as like structurally the midpoint of the film, yeah. which is when you'd have you know like your characters at their lowest moment or right. or whatever. A little a little bit past the midpoint. But regardless, they're they're um, at their lowest moment, and they have to regroup going into the final act, and and like the, you know structurally that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, it did come across as just like okay, now we're gonna drag it down and show people like we're gonna show Riri hammering you know her suit right. and whatever. And and while that can be interesting, it can also feel like yeah, we've we've really slowed the the movie down to a right. lot of time for you know, this montage of what's essentially like a the Rocky prep. training montage. But yeah, yeah. I, I will say too, part of the thing that, that I didn't like about the movie as well was a lot of the humor. Mm. So especially after watching the first film, all the humor in there works. It's, it's really funny when it needs to be. Um, I think a large part of the is Chadwick Boseman was great yeah. in that role and he yeah. brought a lot of humor to it. Um, yeah. And, but it was odd, like, and I, I think the humor with, uh, Denai Guerrero's character works really well. Yep. She always sells that. That, yep. that really worked. Yep. But it was weird because I really loved M'Baku in the first movie. And I felt like, and, and Winston Duke is great no matter what, but it, yeah. it felt like he was like a clown in this movie. Yeah. It was like he, he had kind of been reduced to the comic relief, but with, yep. with the fishmen and all that, you know, and yep. it was good. It was kind of like the movie didn't know what to do with him. He was, he was so popular and he had to be in the movie, but he didn't really serve much of a purpose. Yeah. Um, he was just like bested in battle over and over. Yeah. Um, so that was weird to me. Uh, I get that all these characters people loved and they need to return in some form. Um, but it's just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I think Winston Duke was a little bit of a missed opportunity. He kind of suffers from the, the syndrome of every, every like super strong character, like a rough and tumble character who eventually becomes comedic relief. Yeah. Uh, right. Like we, we talked recently about like Knuckles or Vegeta or whatever, right. like eventually these tough guys just eventually become comic and, yeah. and it's really weird, but like that, that's totally what happened to M'Baku. I felt like in this, which, which then makes the ending really weird because in the end it feels like, and I think this has been confirmed. He's now King because he challenged the throne and there was no one no there one to, there. yeah to fight him so yeah. he's now king of wakanda um but that's really weird because it never felt like he was interested or moving toward that route throughout the film and i feel like having some dramatic moment with him where he's like you know i think i think i'd be good at this and i think i can do it and whatever um yeah would have been nice uh would have given him something I mean, to it, do. it did show him dealing with when he brought the wakandan refugees into the uh Jabari yeah. area, yeah. the the land of the Jabari, like yeah. so that was they set that up to me, but sure. it, 
it, there wasn't true. enough of it for it to That's really true. bite you know yeah yeah this is true I, I forgot about that but yeah yeah it's true um but yeah i i i do love winston duke and there there's a part of me where i'm like i i completely understand narratively why shuri is the black panther but come on mbaku as the black pan as the next panther would have been great I, I, yeah. I get the feeling if i were to fill in the blanks on his motivation hers for their respective situations at the end of the movie. Cause I didn't even, I, I, I think I was nodding off during the end of the movie, like those last couple scenes. So like, I, I don't, I, I remember him saying something about challenging the throne, but I didn't think about it. Yeah. Um, but I do think, I do think that it makes sense that he probably th- like, if she's not going to have the throne and there's no heir to the throne right now, um, that she probably would have told him like, you have my blessing uh, yeah. if you want to rule. And if you don't. That's what it seemed like because he got off the ship and he said, you know, she's not here. And it felt like it was, you know, pre agreed um, upon that way. Yeah. yeah. Just challenge everybody when I go out of town tomorrow. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and like, and also that if you don't do it, then we might run to another situation where the wrong person is in charge here. So I'm kind of asking you to do it. Um, and because, you know, if, if, if she's, if she decides to be, you know, all it's going to take is one person to go, Hey, I challenge you for the throne. And then, um, she's stripped of her powers and now she's just like a skinny, like, you know, 90 pound person again, trying to fight a bunch of fully grown dudes. So, and Shuri is not what I would consider like formidable in terms of fighting. <laughs> sure. She's a scientist. So yeah. I bet she took one look at that and was like, yeah, that's a, that's just an accident waiting to happen. Also, yeah. I don't want to be queen. Um, and so Winston Duke, yeah, I'll, I'll still be the black Panther, I guess, but like, I don't, I have no interest in ruling Wakanda and yeah. I would lose any challenge. You're on the other hand of the biggest person here and I trust right. you, you right? Know, and it works for the script. I want to see Black Panther three where five year old T'Challa, like T'Challa, T'Challa Jr. Mm-hmm. fights Winston Duke for the throne. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to say. And I imagine, you know, again, we're filling in blanks here, but I imagine that she may have mentioned like there's an heir, but it's going to be a bit just hold down the fort until he's of age. <laughs> Yeah, well, then, she, she there didn't is know. Another. Oh, that's right. Well, she could yeah. call him. You'll yeah. never guess where I, who I just met. You know, it, it's gonna, it's going to be hilarious when he's like king and he like sits on his throne for the mm-hmm. first time, and then she just walks in with T'Challa Jr. Yeah, and is like, "Here you go," and he's Don't like, get oh, "Too comfortable? Not again." <laughs> Speaking yeah. of the throne, too, there was one element that I I liked, but thinking about it more, it was it was again like mixed messaging as to like what this meant. So there's mm-hmm. that scene where Shuri takes the herb and she expects to see her mother or T'Challa and instead she sees Killmonger. Yes. And it's like drawing a parallel between how they feel at the time, right? And he, he's yep. like, are you like me? You just, you know, you, you want to get revenge on this guy? You know, it was always great seeing Michael B. Jordan back. Um, mm-hmm. But it was odd because like, especially after watching the first film again recently, like anytime that they go to that ancestral plane, it's supposed to bring like closure to the character mm-hmm. and guidance. And so I didn't understand what, the, why Killmonger was the character that showed up. 
because it felt like he was pointing her in the wrong direction, but it felt, I don't know if it was odd. Yeah. Like that, that first in the first film, when he meets his father on the ancestral plane, it's like probably the best scene in the movie. It's great. It's like this, this great form of closure for the character and it gives him the the strength to carry on as King. Right. And, and so that felt weird because at the end of the movie, she's rejected the way that Killmonger did things. So I don't know. That was weird to me. I, I think thinking about it now, like off the top of my head, as you're talking, um, maybe maybe what they should have or could have done to better explain that is by the end of the film, reveal that this this herb that she created is in, is imperfect, right? It's it's inorganic. It's something that she created, and so it does not give her exactly what the actual herb would have. Um, yeah, like and, the ancestral and, plane. So, so it gives her this distorted ancestral plane and it drives her to madness, which, which would explain it's, it's essentially like the Lazarus pit. It, it drives you into insanity ah. and, and then she, you know, attacks, uh, Namor with, with reckless abandon because mm-hmm. she's, right. you know, infected by this thing. But then like at some point it clicks and she truly becomes the black Panther. And then in the, in that final climactic moment, as she has the spear to Namor's neck, she reaches the ancestral plane. And what I, what you could have done is had her mother and T'Chaka there both to guide her and bring her. Cause the actor who plays T'Chaka still alive, I believe um, is, is bring them both back. They guide her and say, somebody else wants to talk to you. We, the audience know who that is. We don't have to see it. And then later we, we get her, referencing or telling like Nakia, like I spoke to T'Challa. Right. Right. And, and we get a final message from him without having him on screen. You're right. Um, so shoot, like that's totally how I would have handled that. Now that you said that, John, like, you're right. It doesn't make sense that she sees Killmonger unless it's an imperfection in the herb that she takes. And it's like a twisted nightmare version of it. Right. Um, Cause well, I thought that the movie was, was essentially saying you need to you need to handle this with revenge. That's the appropriate way to handle this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no diplomacy. But then it's at the end of the movie. That's not the right course of action. So it, right. that, yeah, it was odd. And then it was it was strange too because uh, Nakia keeps asking her, "Who did you see?" Which is like uh, no one ever asked any of the other characters that. Who did it you almost see? felt like. I saw the bad guy from the last movie and you know, he instructed me on how to handle this. You know, it was like, yeah. that was strange. And it was, uh, you know, it was, it was like telling the audience that in case you forgot or didn't see the first movie, that Killmonger is, is a, is a, you know, yeah. he was the antagonist of the last movie. So it was like, I don't know. Yeah. Like what, what if, what if they were like, who did you see? What, who did you see? And she's just like, I saw Danny DeVito. He was really yeah, nice. That's the penguin. <laughs> I saw Danny DeVito as the penguin. He was really nice, but he wouldn't <laughs> sign an autograph for me. <laughs> he ran for mayor. <laughs> Ancestral plane cobblepot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I just I, imagine I, it's DeVito, like just just Danny DeVito. Like no, <laughs> not even in a role. It's just Danny DeVito. <laughs> Yeah, I think like from for me, I, the reason I gave it the four stars was because it aimed for something higher than what most of these other MCU movies did. It tackled grief and it, it kind of it left that room to breathe and it yeah. didn't always work. But I like that they at least tried, tried. 
tried that. It was because like the Ant-Man trailer played before this and those, I love the Ant-Man movies, but you can never have a film like that with Ant-Man or something. So it's like, I'm glad that they kind of went the more emotional, uh, you know, route with this, even if it didn't quite click. And I'm willing to kind of look the other way on some of it because your, your lead died during the writing of this movie. And, you know, there was a release date and I know it got delayed, but you know, there was all sorts of factors working against it that I think, you know, for the most part, the fact that the movie came out and and uh, it wasn't a mess or something, you know, is, is pretty astounding. Yeah, um, no, I, I agree. I mean, so. I don't know if they've ever talked about this or if they ever will, like what the original version of this film was. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm curious if it was like, because I can totally buy, like I can see in my mind's eye T'Challa in the caves there at Telecon and him talking to uh to Namor and all of that and yeah. and like the idea of okay Nakia comes in to rescue them or whatever and you know you'd have to f- fabricate some reason why he'd need rescuing but like she comes in to rescue him and shoots the person and T'Challa of course would say, no, no, we have to save this person. Right. Right. Like, like that to me feels very T'Challa more than it feels like Shuri in this film. And so I wonder sometimes like, was it, was it as simple as like adding on Shuri, like essentially just copy pasting? Yeah. I thought about that too. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because it definitely, the parallels work better with T'Challa and Namor, right? They do. do. Both the, the young well, not not young in Namor's case, but you know the, yes. the kings of these na- nations, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I, hopefully, one day, you know, uh, we get to know what was planned. Um, yeah. I assume Namor was always in the movie, um, but yeah, yeah. Knows, I, I think know. it was always Namor. But I think I read that it was uh, it was more dealing with like the blip. It was more of like a blip fallout kind of movie. Like mm. what what happened to Wakanda? you know, in the five years that T'Challa was gone, like how did they manage? Gotcha. And, you know, maybe like, okay, well, in your absence, we've been dealing with this pesky neighbor named Namor. Yeah. And, you know, you still have all the elements going on with him, but it's more about like, here's what's been happening in the vacuum of your absence. Mm-hmm. And maybe a little bit of drama around like, whoa, who, who's been ruling? I guess, I guess, uh, Ramondo would have still ruled, but there would have been five, you know, I mean, there already was five years with no black Panther. Yeah. And yeah. Then there's this, this extra year without him. It's weird. They yeah. don't really mention that. Like she's, she's in front of like the United Nations. She's like, I know what you're saying. You've lost your protector like over this year. And it's like, yeah. And then like five years before that, what did y'all anyway, right, yeah. it, right, it, right. that I believe was the, was the focus of the story before, uh, Chadwick Boseman passed away. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. I was trying to figure out the timeline because I knew that they that they had said Nakia had been gone for six years, I think is what they said. And At that point, yeah, five yeah, and then and so, the one. And so I knew it was like, okay, so five years post blip, one year post T'Challa's death. So does that mean that T'Challa died the same year he returned? Yeah, he must have gotten yeah. like, hor- he must have, whatever this illness is, I'm just going to call it stage four, because I'm, I'm just going to reference cancer. He would sure. have gotten like a, like a stage four diagnosis, like the day after he got back from the Thanos yeah. battle. Yeah. Like, cool. You're back. Yeah. Thanks for helping us save the world. But you're dying. You're about to die. Yeah. 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 But pretty much. Yeah. That's them yeah. being like, we're not going to play with how long he lived before he got sick, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. You know? 
because yeah. you know in reality we all saw Chadwick Boseman in a movie and then a year later he died you know yeah yeah, yeah. I, I will say too with both of these movies I really love the score I think the score yeah. is like so unique and even yeah. like the stuff with Namor which was almost like entirely different it was just it that clicked for me because I love the score for the first one and I thought this one was great the score was Dude. great yeah. score was definitely great yeah, and I'm not usually one of these people in, in the Marvel movies, but at the end when um, Namor and Shuri are facing off and it's like that final battle moment and he goes, Imperious Rex. I was like, oh. you said the thing. You said the thing. He did. I Wait, was like, what? I said it. <laughs> that, that's Namor's catchphrase in the comics. Yeah. W- when did he say that? He's, he said it like right at the end, right before um, she she burned him with the engine of the ship. She says so he Wakanda said it, forever. and then she said Wakanda forever, and then the ship like blew up or whatever. Yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, it's, it's essentially it's his, in subtitle. Yeah, you know, Hulk smash. It's clobbering time. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's his yeah. pull string phrase. What? Yeah, exactly. They, they were good about using it just once. Yeah, and it was for me. Yes. <laughs> I don't think anyone else in the theater understood. And they're like, yeah, yeah cool, but that's okay. Whatever. <laughs> Speaking of people in the theater, so I, I went last night. It was a Monday night. It was. I went uh, last night too. Yeah. Did you? Okay. It, it yeah. was really well attended for an 8 p.m. Monday night screening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but um, I so I also saw Black Panther one in a, in an audience, and the crowd like ate it up. But this time around, I felt like everybody was really, really like just bored by it which which kind of sucked because i'm i'm in a group yeah and like you're expecting to hear like laughter or yeah shock at some point or something and there's just nothing which is weird yeah. because because of the black panther the first black panther film but also having seen doctor strange where they like leave it's like they leave room in the edit for people to clap right right you know and same with with no way home it was like you know oh here's andrew garfield but he's not going to say anything for a second because the audience has to gasp and clap um and you know um there wasn't a moment like that in this but yeah what what it also felt like was like the audience was just kind of bored throughout and uh i don't know i did you have a dead did the audience feel dead to you I mean, it was it was different than than like No Way Home or something like that. But yeah. but I also think it's like a film that didn't do nearly as much fan service as those. You know, yeah. like I feel like yeah. there was that whole part in Doctor Strange where it was basically just like, and now the whole theater claps and um, yeah, uh, like my theater laughed at the jokes and things like that. But yeah. but yeah, there was no like you know cheering at certain moments or anything like that. And I just yeah. like I think it's like a, a darker movie than the first one, and it's like. The tone yeah. is like sad and somber, yeah. so it's, yeah. it's it's a different vibe. Um, yeah. Even when you have those triumphant moments, it's it's different, you know. For me, the only moment that I can remember the audience reacting was the post credit scene when you see the close up of Shuri and in the background. You see Nakia and the kid, yeah, and the audience went, "Oh, yeah." And I was like, <laughs> I <think> "Yeah." Had- <gasps> <gasps> oh, and somebody literally said, "Oh, she was pregnant." Oh, she was pregnant. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I was like, yep, yes. we got it. Good job. We all, good we good all job. Get it. You're, you're paying attention. Thank you. Did you guys, uh, but yeah. did y'all talk about Dominique Thorne already? <laughs> no, we didn't. I So I was annoyed by her mm. for a lot of the movie. Like she was, yeah. I mean, okay, so from like a 
corporate standpoint, she's there to set up another series, right? So she's sure. like, a, she's yeah. a must run. Find yeah. a way. Here's a character we think is cool. We think she's a good fit for this movie for an introduction. Find a way to put her in. Yeah. It's not a bad fit or anything. You know, it's fine. But at least in this movie, she's just overacting all over the place. Um, yeah. She's, her performance is a really broad. And I get it in the movie, like, we just want her to kind of tell jokes and be kind of, you know, whoa, look at all this, look at all this stuff, you know? And I, I wonder if they thought like, you know, she's a, that she's like an avatar for the audience, you know, but it's like, but we know what all this stuff is. This isn't the first black Panther movie. We're not like, whoa, underwater city, you know, like, so it kind of came off as like, yeah, yeah. There's fish people wake up. Why don't you grow up? Um, (laughs) But like, obviously other than like her being the scientist, like you could have just swapped her for generic scientist character, you know, some random person. And other than like Ramonda dying to save her, like if that had been a generic scientist, you would have been like, Oh, that's kind of a waste. But like, Change it's a still couple kind of, of a waste. It is kind of a waste, but like change a couple of things and she doesn't have to be in this movie. She doesn't affect the plot like at all. Yeah. I still have an interest in Ironheart and all that stuff. But like, again, there was no excitement around this character. Like I saw her and I was like, and again, you, you get like brief glimpses and periods of like, oh, this is cool. Like, like, um, we're just here. Here's, here's something different. Like, you know, like again, like with all, with this whole cast with, with Dominic wow. Thorne and Tina Huerta, and, you know, you've got, you've got actors and, and characters kind of bringing something different to the table and it could be the diversity. It could be just the character itself, but one way or another, you've got characters that just feel fresh and it's like, that's great. Yeah. You know, upon their entrance on screen, her first entrance on screen, she's, her face isn't even on camera. She's talking to some guy about Venmo but it's still yeah. like, oh, cool. Here's this character who's just casually smart. But then the very next scene, she's like, whoa, how how did you get in my room? I'm like, God, you're this yeah. isn't a theater or a yeah. theater theater. I don't know. I was just yeah, bothered yeah. by it. Um, I just thought that whatever, whatever the direction was there. I think it. I feel like it was just too broad. I don't I don't know that the the performance bothered me, but I did feel like the character was a, a little bit annoying. Um, so I guess my my brain just focused on the the writing of it. Um, but I, I do think that um, this is a whole nother discussion and a different can of worms and it's it's totally subjective and also different case by case. but like I'm I'm a little bit annoyed by like the idea of the mantle right? Like this is the next Iron Man kind of a thing. Um, if that character has no interaction with the original thing and, and clearly Riri and, and Iron Heart is designed to fill the role of Tony Stark, um, at least in combat and, you know, her abilities. Um, but having her have no interaction with Stark to me, it, it runs the risk of doing the thing that I'm always afraid of with these things, which is you make the original feel less special um, and less like there's something unique about this person um, if they can just be replaced by essentially the same person. Um, and and this is the way I always felt about Spider-Man. Like there can't there shouldn't be more Spider-Man. There shouldn't be a Miles Morales because you, you, there's only one Spider-Man guy that got bit by a spider and and uh i i've since cooled on that a little bit um 
but like, you know, um, it's different to me than something like Batman and his Robins or Captain America and Bucky, um, where these are clearly, or, or Falcon, uh, these are clearly characters who are sidekicks, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're designed to kind of eventually take over that role. Should the time come Ironheart's not that way. Riri's just like another person inspired by Stark who will fill the role of Stark, but has never been trained by or met Stark. And to me, I, I like my gut reaction is to reject this character. Yeah, there's no personal connection between you and the person whose mantle you are assuming. Right. Because, and I look at it almost as like an offense. Like you think, you think Stark is so unoriginal or so like, so imitatable that there's that you can just like jump in and do his thing. Right. And, and it's just, there's nothing special about Stark. And, um, and yeah, I mean, maybe that's me overthinking it, but I'm also just like, you know, at least with some of these, right. Like I mentioned Falcon or, or even Kate Bishop, it's like you train with the original, the mantle gets passed to you. If the mantle's not passed to you, then to me, yeah, you, you're taking the mantle and yeah. I don't like that because yeah. whatever. So so that's where my brain went. It wasn't so much of like rejection of the performance. It was a rejection of the character by just by its nature. Um, so the idea of like sitting down and watching an Ironheart show, I have I won't even say I have no interest. I have negative interest in that show um, <laughs> be, be, because because if I if I wanted to watch a person build a suit and fight crime, then I would watch Iron Man. Right. But you killed Iron Man and the story's done. So I yeah. have no interest in watching that anymore. I, I guess, uh, I guess I'll just say Gwyneth Paltrow better be in that show. You yeah, know. we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. I, I see. And I would be okay with like Gwyneth Paltrow popping in as rescue and like, okay, that's, but I'm like, sure her and Rhodey are both in the show and in suits. And I would hope that one of them is going to give her on camera permission yeah. to yeah. do, Iron Man things. Yeah. Because see, otherwise the audience is going to reject this. It's going to reject it. But that, but that's, that's my thing is like, so with Rhodey, he, he's essentially the sidekick of Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. Not, not really, but yeah, whatever. And like, like with Pepper Potts, you know, she can wear the suit, whatever. Um, even like if they ever brought in Iron Lad or like that kid from Iron Man 3 that everybody was like, he's Iron Lad. Yeah. Um, that never went anywhere. He just went to the funeral and like, that's it. Um, what if he's the villain? Took his spot. Oh my God. What if he's the villain? If they turn him into the villain of this show, uh, he comes back and goes, be. he wanted me to be Iron Man next. And she's like, Snow, <laughs> you're white. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, so what? <laughs> I've got three more films on my contract. What do you yeah. got? <laughs> uh, I, I that, That'd be that, so sad. That, Can you imagine like watching Iron Man three and be like, this kid eventually turns into like a white supremacist kind of like a, you know, like, can you imagine like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's weird. Like I'd be okay with any of those, but, but not this just random person who, who, because, because let me, let me also phrase it like this. Rhodey, Pepper, Iron Lad, whatever. Rhodey and Pepper. They're the only ones that they are real. Um, uh, <laughs> Rhodey and Pepper, they don't create the suits. They're not the genius who like invented the thing. Right. But then like you throw Riri in and it's like, not only is she not trained by, by Tony Stark, not only is she essentially stealing the mantle of Tony Stark, but she's also 
filling the exact role in terms of combat powers and as an inventor of tech. Like mm-hmm. she's smart enough to create an Iron Man suit, which clearly no one else, yeah. nobody's done it in all the years other than you know, like uh freaking uh, Obadiah Stane. Yeah. Um, that doesn't count. Um, so no. And, yeah. and, and I don't know how you can like, and, and we said, I, I feel like I said this to one of y'all in some form, like, I don't know how you can like, like as a series, like improve it could be short sighted of me of this, uh, you know, fictional tech, but like how you can improve on the bleeding edge armor or whatever was in infinity war yeah. Endgame. Yeah. That's, that's pretty great stuff. Um, yeah. Are you saying that you've got something like better? What do you have? Like what Bloody do you have? Edge. Yeah. Like is, yeah. Is it like, is it going to be like in the comics where it's just in your skin? Yeah. How did you do that? You're a right. college student. Like, I don't doubt right. you might be like a genius, but like, but where'd you get the know. money? I, yeah. Like, how did you possibly research this? Yeah. How did you yeah. test it? Yeah. How many rats did you kill? Where'd you get the rats? Yeah. What kind of scholarship do you have that gives you billions of dollars to play around <laughs> with? What was your rat budget? Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. It, it's weird. I, but that, that's, that's where my mind goes. Like, you know, it, it's the same thing that they're, they've done in the Superman comics recently where, where John, John Kent is Superman. And I'm like, no, there's one Superman. Like there's only one. You can name him anything else under the sun, but he ain't Superman. Um, And like that, I'm just always leery of like, it's a mantle. Everything's a mantle. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. I don't hate the movie or anything. I just... I, I, again, I, I feel like whenever people ask me, like I, well, whenever I've been asked by one person, you know, yeah. and this person was shocked that I said, I didn't really care for the movie. Yeah. And, and I just summed it up and I just said, I think Ryan Coogler had a very impossible task commercially yeah. and critically to yeah. outdo the first movie and yeah. he lost his lead and yeah. he had to make a super lucrative movie the fulfill yep. and set up some other stuff, some other movies and franchises yep. and somehow provided a satisfying closure for yep. you know, a beloved actor's death and, you know, uh, understandable character motivations for the remaining characters who, who are left behind. Yep. And also a movie that's not really a Marvel movie in its typical execution. So yep. I feel like he did all that. And he did most of that stuff pretty elegantly. I didn't feel, I mean, Riri's there and, you know, Ross is there and Val is there, you know, there's clear setup elements, but they're no more transparent than any other setup element in any other Marvel movie. So I feel like if if we're going to grade Ryan Coogler's execution of all these things, he did a great job. Like, I'm going to say you did great. It's just that this movie itself fell below my expectations and my expectations are pretty generous for these sort of things. I'm pretty easily pleased. And all I ask is that I have fun slash care and I didn't really have fun or care. And you know, no matter how diverse your cast is, no matter how great their performances are, how cool I think the world building is. I love all the telecon stuff. I love, you know, the characterization of Namor. I love the idea that there's more vibranium, on earth, not just in Wakanda. Cause that's like, Oh, that, that has implications like going forward. Like that's, that's interesting. And that's cool. Yeah. I like that decision. 
I like all of the big picture decisions that were made with this movie. Yeah. I just don't like this movie, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wouldn't go as far as to say I don't like this movie. When I was asked today, what did you think? I said, yeah, it's fine. Like that, that's where I was. Yeah, it's fine. Is like going to be the road answer for me. But like to take the review out on on a positive note, like the cinematography is great. The editing is great. The performances are great. Um, Ryan Coogler, like you said, I, I'll mirror your statements. Like he had an impossible task and he yeah. rose to the challenge. And yes, I think that he did as best as he could when judged against the nature of the roadblocks he was faced with, he did a great job, but the roadblock blocks he, he, he was faced with, they prevented it from being a truly great movie. Um, and, and I do think that, um, like I said, there's a lot to love costume designs. Great. Um, uh, score is great. Um, I, I, I really love a lot about the style of the movie and the tone of the movie. And I love to, to mirror earlier statements that they tried for something that they, they said this movie is about grief and they had the 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 guts to to stick by that and and see that through um is is great and while it doesn't always work again great ideas and a lot of really great filmmaking um just couldn't save what i think was a little bit of a lackluster story and that and that's it john do you got any anything final to add um no i i, I, I I'll just reiterate what I said before. Um, you know, I, I think it was it, it was a good movie. I'm glad it it tried for something bigger. Um, and you know, even though it didn't always land, I, I got to give props to like a 200 million dollar movie that deals with these sort of issues and emotions in a, yep. in a adult way. Um, yep. Especially for a big popcorn movie with you know uh, panther suits and and men with. Uh, wings on their ankles and things like that. So, right. Um, <laughs> right. Not perfect, but but I think it it aimed higher than most of these MCU movies and I, I yeah. applaud that. So, I'm going to yeah. give it credit for that absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It tried to make it tried to make a movie for adults. Like it's like yeah. it, it tried to make a movie that wasn't just like let's sell toys and and you know, like one reviewer I read was just like there wasn't any movie there wasn't any moment that was meant to like make the audience like cheer. Like okay, We've all sort of talked about how we don't want those things. Like we, we, yeah. we, we watch these movies and it's clear when there's like, Oh, that's meant to get the crowd like yelling and screaming. Like we're yeah. there at a wrestling match. And I, so like I can simultaneously complain that like, there's no narrative highs, which is a different criticism from, I never got up and screamed at the screen like a lunatic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I want the narrative highs, but I'm yeah. not going to fault the film for not having like a big, a big one you know, hmm. where Shuri yeah, yeah. kills 12 fish people in a single shot, you know, like, yeah, yeah. which would just make me sad <laughs> in right, the right, context right. of this film, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I'm going to like the movie better upon rewatches. I think I'm going to appreciate what is good about it. But again, like just the story of this movie could have been better, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, you know, I mean, this is phase four. We keep, we have, we, I, I feel like, you know, good or bad, this movie was going to be the cap on a phase that has largely been called by, by us, among others, like a kind of a lackluster phase or an inconsistent phase of these movies. So, like, if it's a masterpiece, 
you know, you've still got like, okay, well, phase four in general was, you know, less satisfying, right? Okay, I'll get you your shake. Hold on. Um, but so, you know, it almost didn't matter what, what the movie does. It's, um, it's attached to an overall, like, hmm, I don't know, this kind of falls behind the curve type of a thing. Yeah. Um, again, I, I give, I, I got to give the movie a little bit of grace for Chadwick's death and also just pandemic stuff. Although th- this is the last project I'm going to give any grace for when it comes to COVID, you know, like, and, and, and again, uh, yeah. we, we, we forgot to mention like, you know, Letitia Wright's motorcycle injury, like, you, you know, you change the shooting schedule, whatever, like who's to say what impact that had on like the actual production. It's not like the script yeah. had to be re- rewritten or anything. It's just, you know, it was, it wasn't like a typical shoot for this film. Uh, yeah. So I'm yeah. going to give it grace. I'm not going to be like, God, what a piece of shit, you know, <laughs> but like, I'm going to say like, not, not my yeah. favorite, but I'm going to give it points for what it does. Right. I'm going to, you know, just kind of put to bed what I found disappointing about it. And, you know, hopefully going forward, we've got other cool stuff coming. I think they're talking about making a third one. I mean, apparently uh, Kugler and Feige have been talking about a third and I have to think it's going to go smoother than this just because, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, we got it. We got to leave on, on a, on a Tom Petty note. Because all I could think about during this entire movie was, don't come around here anymore. <laughs> That's what they should have played. That should have been the siren song at the end yeah, when the guys oh, walk around. That would have been great. When they're jumping don't in the water. Don't come around no here anymore. anymore. Give it up. And they're just jumping off the brit, the barge. All this love getting stronger. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right cool well um geez what's the next marvel thing is it ant-man there's nothing uh, the, i mean the guardians uh, special is coming out so. yeah probably yeah, that'll be it okay well yeah did y'all see the trailer for ant-man did you did either of you watch it dustin did you watch the trailer no and it, it played before wakanda forever but i got up and left oh <laughs> <laughs> well uh, it looks pretty great. Um, cool. John, did you watch the thing? Yeah. Do you, do you think it, yeah, looks, it looks cool? Good. Yeah. Ant-Man is usually like, oh, cool, some levity. And now we're, now we're watching this movie. And it's like, oh, some big things. Big things yeah. on the horizon. Yeah. yeah. Right. It looks good. I'm excited. I am excited for the future. I just feel like, you know, ducks are more in a row for what's coming up. So that, that yeah. feels nice. F- phase four feels a little bit like it was the aimless, like, Oh crap! What do we do? And it took yeah. them a few. It took them a few year, a couple years, and they were like, "Oh, okay, all right. Here's the game plan. Let's go." <clears throat> and so I feel like Phase Five is going to be a lot of like, "All right, here we go, pedal to the metal kind of stuff." Um, phase Four was just kind of like, mm. and, and I I really do stand I by. I do stand by my my theory on that, which is I I just think that with shifting release schedules and we're not sure what order things are going to be released in, we need to reduce the connective tissue because we don't want to shoot scenes that might not make sense if we flip-flop release dates. Yeah, And so I just think that, I think that's part of why there's a lack of cohesive feeling universe-wide. All right, y'all. Till next time. All right. Sounds good. All right. Later. Later. Bye, everybody.